Welcome to the RuPaul's Drag Race recap show for Season 10, Episode 6, titled DragCon Panel Extravaganza. My name is Evan Ayers, and I am joined, as always, by my cyber boyfriend and me. From the panel of Sirius XM Radio, Entertainment Weekly Radio's one-on-one with Larry Flick on Channel 105 every Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific, please say... Proportionizing! To Joe Patance. Hi, Joe. Hello, Evan Ayers. Wow, this is your first time being the the guy, the canter, if you will, of uh, RuPaul's Drag Race recap. How was my canter and banter? Your canter and your banter was pretty good. Uh, How have you been? I've been really good. I've had a crazy fucking week, but I've been really good. Well, I happen to know this. I happen to know this. I happen to know you capped that crazy week off. With a serving of chicken tenders. Everyone should oh. know, earlier today, Evan and I did a live... We did this thing. I actually think I would love to do it again, Evan. Mm-hmm. I would love to do it again, but this time we're more prepared. It was a... Te- what we Okay, here's what we did. Headline. I, get, I, I, I buried the lead. That Burying the lead should be the name of my uh, autobiography. Buried but I buried lead. the lead, and what I mean is, today, for Patreon subscribers, Evan and I performed a live show during the commercials during the live broadcast of rupaul's drag race so we would come on during the commercials but i feel that we weren't well a couple of things we'd already seen the episode yeah and so we weren't gagged we're like oh yeah that <laughs> there was nothing authentic there was nothing authentic about our like our reactions to things and i was very, yeah i had to be very careful what i was saying because i didn't want to give things away yeah we so so uh so uh anyway so that happened but then part two is uh there were it's, it's a technically difficult thing to do and so uh, because i didn't want the audio to go out over the feed and but yet our voices to go out over the feed it was a whole thing you know so anyway during one of the sets um was, uh, you know, during the set piece where they are doing the DragCon panel, uh, Evan tells me, I can listen to him off the air, they can't hear him. He goes, I'm going to go buy some chicken tenders. And then just leaves. Now, now, is there just a local chicken tender place by your house? Now, here's the thing. So, I'm really big on Grubhub. That's like my bread and butter, quite literally. Um, and I've got it down to a science where I can go on Grubhub and there's a place across from my apartment that I just have to cross the street and I can order on Grubhub and I can just switch it to pickup and within like eight minutes it's ready. And it's either like a, it's like a pizza and like everything shop. And then on the other side of the street, there's like a Chinese place. And so I know exactly when it's like just going to be finished and I can just walk in it's already paid for and I can turn around and end the transaction. I'm a sucker for like, I mean... People should know this about me that I really, I grew up very spoiled with a mother that like, um, was like very good at cooking. And so she was always like very helpful and like, I never really had to learn to cook for myself. And so I'm literally the worst when it comes to like making food. Uh, I'm going to step in here because the other thing we learned during this live show (laughs) was that uh, Evan puts ketchup on everything. I do. I I was actually pleased to learn you don't put ketchup on steak, but I'm going to be honest with you. I feel that you really do. No, I don't. I don't. Steak, I, I have... I'm not trashy. Not not that anyone that puts ketchup on steak is trashy, but I do... I am was raised better than that. I do not think steak... If I'm going to have steak, it's going to be, like, super rare, and it's just going to be the steak. I don't put ketchup on that. 
Now, Evan, in the past week, there have been a couple of big, gigantic, uh, or since we last spoke on the main show, big, gigantic RuPaul's Drag Race stories. And I want to get your takes on them. Maybe your take on both of them. I don't know if it'd be a plural for takes. Is it a separate take? I don't know. Grammarians, please write in dragracerecap at gmail.com. Anyway, here's the point. Okay. We had two big giant controversies happen over the course of the past week or two that you and I have talked. One, Robbie Turner from season oh. eight uh, lied about being in an accident in an Uber car. Are you able to give a brief summary of the story? Do you want me to do it? Um, uh, you go ahead. Okay. You're so be what so happened? Good at was, it. Uh, Robbie Turner was on social went on social media and was like, "I'm paraphrasing big time, so shut the fuck up, everybody." Okay. <laughs> Could be like, ah, that's not what he said exactly. Okay, here's what I'm telling you. He went on social media and he's like, oh my god, I just woke up in my apartment and I uh, was in a major car accident in an Uber. A drunk driver hit us. Unfortunately, my driver died. Something along those lines. People freak the fuck out because like, oh my god. And he's like, hey, stay safe, everyone. Love, you know, hug, hug the ones you love or something. What's weird though is people start to notice. That his story isn't consistent because in one story he wakes up at home, but then there's parts where he, but he, like, he just wakes up and he's at home. So that raises a lot of questions. Like, well, how did he get home? Like, the Uber driver didn't take him home. How did he know the Uber driver died if he just woke up at home? Like, there's a lot of questions. And there's another version he puts out there where he was in the hospital and it's a whole thing, right? So some sleuths, some internet sleuths decide to look into the story. And when they do, they start to unravel the web of lies that Robbie Turner had been spreading on social media. Because, you know, he has some sort of Munchausen syndrome, essentially. Because anybody that follows Robbie Turner, as I do, he's a page turner. That's a horrible joke. Sorry. I'm sorry I even said that. You guys should just unsubscribe from the show just for that joke. Anyway, the point is, uh, he's been known to have a difficult relationship with the truth. He's always writing weird twitter stories uh, if there's a subreddit dedicated not to his stories but stories like that called that happened if you go to reddit.com slash r slash that happened it's a bunch of stories where people walk into starbucks and someone's being racist and then they go hey you racist stop and then everyone applauds and he gets free coffee for life and it, that subreddit is dedicated to those kinds of stories and robbie turner and her stories have made appearances on that happened did you know that uh, I, uh, I i did not know that oh yeah thing. yeah i I am an avid reader of That Happened, and I have seen Robbie Turner's posts on there several times. Anyway, the point is, I, we've already all known this, but now that it's been unraveled in the media and whatnot, all the famous drag queens jump on and start making fun of her. Now, two drag queens, Laganja, for her own reasons, was like, hey, guys, leave her alone. I've been picked on on the internet. It's not fun. And then Ben De La Creme, who is friends with Robbie Turner... Uh, and it lives in Seattle and knows Robbie, had a more nuanced approach, which which recognized that Robbie Turner made a mistake, but also uh, says, like, listen, you know, it's almost like judge not lest ye be judged. You know, like we all make right. mistakes, and I think we would all want a level of kindness when we make our own mistakes. So let's show some kindness and understanding here. I get that. So, Evan, your take on everything that happened, I'm dying to know. Uh, I've been dying to know. Yeah. My take on this is um, I do agree with there there should be a level of of compassion for someone going through whatever this whatever the whatever compelled him to 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 make up this sort of story or this lie. Um, I, I I do feel bad for him, but I also don't really agree with the sentiment that people shouldn't be allowed to make fun of him. And I think that for two reasons: one, 
you he went out of his way to to fabricate a story and posted it on so it's not like he was just like lying to like his friends. He was like, Oh yeah, yo, last night I like blacked out and like stole this pizza. It was like, you know, he made up a story about something that was very easily disproven. You know, you can Uber is you know, apparently people called Uber and really yeah. you know, you can prove like Uber was like, No one died this night, we have no reports of this. You can also check Uber like the night before. Uber will the it'll track your, you know, your location or whatever. <laughs> so I think he and in, in doing this, he opened the door to be made fun of and should be able to take the piss of this to some degree. But I think more importantly, I think if he really wants to make something out of this, if I were Robbie Turner's publicist, I would, one, be really excited to have work. But mm-hmm. I would be calling every any possible opening, and I would be pleading to put that bitch on the haters roast or some sort of traveling tour. Because there is no better way... like. Get him out there, because everyone's already making fun of you. He admits he made a mistake. The best way to deal with it is to just own up to it. And if you can get on stage and have Trinity Taylor make fun of you, just like I watched Trixie get ripped into for beating Shangela, he would, he'll be making so much money. I don't and know it, if you know this, Evan. I don't know if you know this. I already, this is already, did you know this? Have you not read? Did you know it's already happened? People have been making fun of Robbie on the roaster ready. Do you want do you I have it. Uh, I have pool. no I did not know that, but it, yeah, he here should we go. be there. Here we go, here we go. Let's get this roast a cooking. <laughs> Can we please put our hands together for the one, the only Michelle Visage. Jizz breast. <laughs> They're the real star of this show. Sorry, RuPaul. I'm fading out there because I don't want, you know, we don't want to spoil everything that happens. But as we all know, believe him. <laughs> Farrah read, Farrah read this Robbie Turner to filth at the Haters Roast. That was a small clip of it. But I'm sorry, oh, continue. God, they really got it. But no, you agree with me, though. I think if you're, this is the best, like, people are talking about you. Yeah, mm-hmm. you made a mistake. Okay, whatever. Everyone lies. Everyone makes mistakes. Everyone has bad days. Whatever that song is. Mm-hmm. Like turn something into it. Turn make make this make this better for yourself. And I think by by doing something like that, I would again the best way to deal with it is to laugh at it. Unless there is some very very serious underlying reason as to why she felt compelled to go and you know make this story up in the first place, then maybe you should stay away for a bit. But I don't know, if I were her publicist, I would be working overtime to make the best out of this. Because I mean, when was the last time? And again, this is no shade, Derek, because I actually quite like her. When were people talking about her last? Am I rambling? No. She had a... Oh. <laughs> Where is the Uber that you almost died in? <laughs> Should have took a lift, but... <laughs> we, I know, we should make a song for this Robbie Turner. She should be endorsed by Lyft. Someone call Lyft. Woke up in your house and Uber driver's dead. What was going on inside your head? It's <laughs> like our garden cat moment. Because you I, had I, a... Oh. Okay, now I can't, I can't, I can't do any more of that. That's bad. Okay, now let's move on to the next story, okay? The next story. Oh, God, I know what just one this is. This Tyra Sanchez. Let me tell you what makes me angriest about this Tyra Sanchez. <laughs> oh, my God, I know what this is, too. So, for, for those of you who don't know, this Tyra Sanchez, uh, the winner, the, the crowned queen of season two. The the beholder of twenty five thousand dollars before taxes. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Also, also seen at the break room at Amazon, like packaging headquarters. Yeah, this is what I have to say. Tyra is the complete bitch. Yeah, because this Tyra, she she goes on social media. I don't think she's on Twitter anymore. So I don't know where it was. She did this. 
she goes on social media and she says a very cryptic, threatening message. And she says, if you're going to be at DragCon on Saturday, like, what did she say? Can you look it up while I'm saying this? I don't want to misquote her. But she says, I wouldn't be at DragCon, if, DragCon on Saturday if I were you or whatnot. Evan Ayers, our, our reporter here, is going to look this up. But he, she says something like that. And everyone freaks the fuck out, including Fifi. I mean, the public at large, but famous drag queens like Fifi and uh, Tatiana. Tatiana freak the fuck out. And I think Fifi even called the police and was encouraging people to call the police. It's, I'm sorry. It's uh, to quote, fair warning. Do not attend RuPaul's DragCon on May 12, 2018. Don't say I didn't warn you. Okay. And then people freak out. And then she, she releases another one where she says... Um, I would get my money back if I were you or something like that for that Saturday on DragCon. First of all, she shouldn't be doing this at all. Okay, that's awful. I think she should be arrested. I think she should have the book thrown at her. I'm not a fan. But here's the other thing, and this is the part that's most important. You have a ticket for that day, don't you? I'm going one day <laughs> to RuPaul's DragCon. One day. You know what day I'm going, Evan, is? <laughs> Saturday, May 12th. <laughs> yeah, Saturday, May fucking 12th, all fucking day. Uh, the whole, well, when I read that, I was just like, Oh, well, come on, Teletubby. Teleport us to Mars. That's well, what I was that doing. Photo, that photo, too, that, that, maybe this was added, but there was like a cartoon drawing of it mm-hmm. being blown up. And she's outside with a, a, a post or whatever. Maybe that was added, but... That's no, 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 because the artist, it's funny you say that, the artist who drew that has now since, I don't understand the timeline on that drawing, or that piece of art, but now the artist has now disavowed Tyra, and it doesn't like that she said that, but I'm like, bitch, you drew the painting, but I think the timeline doesn't work. Like, I think this artist drew this piece of art before Tyra made those threats, and then Tyra just made it come to life. Right. So... The FBI, I hope the FBI is interviewing her. I hope she loses her job at Amazon. She clearly has mental problems. But most of all, she couldn't say about Friday or Sunday, yeah. the days I'm not there. How inconvenient. It's almost like us talking about when people like have episodes or they like they go through major crises on days that matter. How inconvenient for you to threaten someone on my day. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, that's what's going on in the world of drag, Evan Ayers. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't like this Tyra Sanchez, and I feel bad because I, I want to like her. Mm-hmm. I feel, I mean, I'm sure. I mean, I can only imagine that some of the things that she does post, but the hate that she gets, it's, it's all very racially charged, and I, that sucks regardless. But I think I equate her almost to this like Tyra, not this Tyra, to a almost like Kanye West, where she mm-hmm. just knows that anything she says is going to cause controversy, and then thus we're going to be sitting here at 10 p.m. on a Thursday talking about her. Well, I just know it's going to fucking blow. I'm like, I'm going to be sitting there uh, uh, interviewing uh, uh, J. Jolie, <laughs> you know, next to the to the popcorn machine at the L.A. Convention Center. It's going to go boom. And that's going to be the, that's going to be on my epitaph. Died interviewing Jocelyn Fox. And this week, the girls sit on a secret, prepare mock drag com panels and walk the runway in category called Hats Incredible. Cameron talks about his body transformation. Monet confesses her family doesn't know she does drag, while Blair reveals a terrible secret. Eureka was named the winner of the challenge, while Blair St. Clair and the Vixen were placed in the bottom two. After a lip-sync battle for their lives, the Vixen lived to see another day, and Blair was sent back to daycare. Joe, name two things you liked about the episode and one thing you did not. 
well, let me lay in the one thing I did not first. I did not like that you changed the script I wrote because now people know I write the script and they're going to think I wrote that horrible joke you just that said right now. funny, damn it. Give me that one. <laughs> anyway, uh, okay, here we go. Uh, two things I liked. Uh, the fir- uh, both of them are looks, actually. Both of them are looks. I initially wrote the episode. I, I actually I thought this episode was pretty solid episode. I'm not going to lie. I thought it was entertaining from beginning to end. It didn't feel long at all. But that's not my one thing, though. I'm not. I don't count that. Okay. First thing I liked. Big fan of Aquaria's look. Oh my goodness! On the runway, the magician. I do have a correction to make though. Houdini would not have worn a hat. She said she was bringing Houdini realness. As we all know, I'm a a, a, a known magician in the world. You know, and you're just a magician. Name that quote. I don't know. What is that? That was a Shea Coulee and Sasha Valor reference. Go on. And I, the, the Houdini wouldn't have worn that kind of hat. That kind of hat is unique to, actually, what's funny, interesting magic history, the, kind, the guy who kind of introduced that sort of look to magician was a guy named Jean-Eugène Robert Houdin, right? Spelled H-O-U-D-I-N, okay? A young Eric Weiss. German immigrant idolized Robert Houdin, okay, and took his name, and he he was under the impression that if you just added an I, that meant like an Italian, like like that person, and he became Houdini, okay, mm. yeah. But Houdin was the one who uh, wore those kind of top that like he brought that look into popularity and magic. Anyway, this is not the Magic History Podcast. The point is, ah, you had my attention. <laughs> <laughs> That's one thing I liked. Next thing was Asia's hat. I lived for Asia's hat. Lived for it. And you can tell RuPaul did too, where she was like, Asia was safe, but she told her like, Asia, like, you did good or something like that. What did she say? She said, good work this week. Good work. Like, when does she ever do that to someone who's safe? Never. Never, ever. Yeah. So anyway, so good. That, those were two things I liked. The one thing I did not like, I'm going to tell you right now. They should have had this raven sit in on the makeup panel for the dragon. <laughs> this RuPaul, her makeup was horrible. It looked awful this week. The makeup was horrible. Yeah. I wish she was back a couple episodes ago where she had the mask over her face. That's how bad I'm all like, God, Raven should have maybe remember we were you and I were talking during that part and we were like like RuPaul's listening to the makeup challenge like so intently. And I'm like, it's because uh, this look, she looks in the mirror and she sees what this raven's doing to her. Yeah, it's when it's Monique was like showing how they gave like the highlight to Bryce, and she's like, "Oh, by the way, that highlight was really good on Bryce. Oh, it looked amazing." But the way RuPaul was looking at her was like when someone sees how a vape pen or like a mall stand works for the first time. Like, oh, interesting. Who knew? Now I'm gonna yeah. flip the tables on you, there, Evanaires. Why don't you name two things that you liked and one thing you did not? Okay, Teresa Judice, uh, flipping tables. Um, so, like you, I. The runways in general of this week were great, but I must agree with you completely that I thought Aquarius, I'm going to say it, that was the best look I've ever seen on this season so far for me. Really? I, I was, and I think it's because we've talked about how much we love, like, the gender fluidity, and Aquarius even talks about it, but it just, it was so clever, and I think it could have been done very poorly. So good. Um, and then Asia's, I mean, that whole thing just was, was absolutely stunning, and it looked great on TV. Um, another thing I really liked this episode, just Monique Hart in general. 
is quickly becoming my runaway like favorite queen of the season for me. Mm-hmm. I think she is so funny. I think her she is so like she she needs to be kept just so she can give confessionals. Her talking about how I just came to this competition with glitter and Jesus, mm-hmm. just like these like stupid one liners that I love, and I I love that she's kind of this like dorky like her laugh is like so endearing and. I don't know. I thought she was really good in the challenge. And it reminds me of Eddie Murphy's laugh. Yes. Yeah, it does. It's like, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm, I'm totally team, team Monique, not Monique, team Monique, and um, would love to see her win a challenge. One thing I did not like, I don't like this sitting on a secret thing. I feel like this is kind <gasps> of a force. I don't know. I don't know if, it, like, are we, is there a single dropping soon? If they just... It's the third time it's been brought up since All-Stars. They fed that stupid line to Andy Cohen. It's funny. I get it. And I guess it did make sense because they had them sit on... Also, can you imagine being, like, I don't know, 14, sitting at home with your parents, just, like, watching TV after dinner? You're scrolling, and then all of a sudden you come to this clip of this, like, man sitting on a traffic cone. Mm-hmm. Like, what would you say? I would say, I'm going to go watch this upstairs. Yeah. How many people are at home Googling, like, cake-sitting porn right now? Like, what was that? That Why did I feel tingly well, Let watching? me ask you a question. I know I know Larry Flick from Sirius XM Radio, Entertainment Weekly Radio, one-on-one with Larry Flick, uh, Entertainment Weekly Radio Channel 105. Ding! Br- makes fun of me about this. He says I bring up sex every week, so I'm going to try and keep it as clean as possible. But have, when was the first time you can remember, as a child, watching some movie or television show and you were very attracted to... Uh, one of the actors on screen, you clocked it and was like, oh my god, my parents might know, you know, I find this person attractive. Mm. Um, it was in Beauty of the Beast. There, that's that, whatever that douchebag is. Beauty of the Beast? Do you think, do you think it's called Beauty of the Beast? No, I said Beauty and the Beast. Did I, did I speak poorly? Well, look, people can hit rewind on this podcast, (sighs) but anyway, go ahead. I meant it was, I know it's Beauty and the Beast. Um, and there was, it's that guy, it's like the, the vi- the protagonist in that movie or the antagonist the antagonist I'm sorry not the, not Gaston the beast. yeah mm-hmm. um and I always I don't know why I just I was like oh who's that I like wanted to know everything about him oh I, you thought Gaston was hot I think I think that's who it is I don't let me hang on let me I'm gonna make sure I got his name right well Gaston is the antagonist in Beauty and the Beast he's like the hot guy that all the girls love yep yep I for some really? reason really I mean it, it wasn't I mean I was such, I was saying so, I didn't know that he was hot. But it was him, and there was no. It was cartoon characters, which is weird for me because like that's how I always get on the thing now. But it just I was really piqued by there was him, and then there was this. Did you ever hear of the the cartoon version of the Mighty Ducks? The the what, but the hockey team? No, the I never ho- saw it. That there was like a cartoon show about like yeah, there were actual ducks, and there was this one super hot one. His name was Duke. He had an eye patch and a chipped beak, and he had this like cool like bro voice and i don't know i was like super obsessed with him i'm gonna look it up right now duke yeah. duck duke larange was his oh, name duke larange duke mighty ducks oh he was such a f- i don't want to say fox but no because he was a duck wasn't he he literally was a duck but like, he's fucking hot look at that he's got uh, like the i think he looks more like douche maybe that was it i mean yeah, foreshadowing. Anyway, but I was, but I was always, I was always like very fixated on like these kinds of characters, and so I think that mm-hmm. was my first inkling that I was a, a big mo. Interesting. What about you? I was a young lad. I remember I was watching. Um, 
Which is so funny because now this this person is not considered sexual at all. But at the time, I think he still was. And uh, I was remember being like, I don't know, probably my sexual awakening time. And we were all watching Rain Man. And there's a scene where Tom Cruise is having sex with Valeria Golina. And the actress in Rain Man. And I remember going like, what is what is going on? I'm feeling things, you know, like I just thought Tom Cruise was so hot then. Little, you know, I'm be honest with you too. This and this is a horrible thing to say, okay. And you're not gonna believe it when I tell you this. I kind of had feelings for Michael Jackson in the black and white video. And what makes me kind of frustrated now is that I to know that I could have totally gotten Michael Jackson. Like, I was 12. I should have written to him and been like, I'm a 12-year-old boy. Can I come to Neverland? He would have... Look, I would have drank that fucking Jesus juice. I would have done what... And I wouldn't have threatened him. I would have paid him. After Mayhem's elimination, Monet Exchange is upset about her placement so far in the competition. Miss Cracker seems to have the same doubts. Meanwhile, the girls have some playful interactions as they change out of drag. Asia, huh? your back is ashy. That is not cute. Hey, your talent is in the bottom, too. <laughs> the next day, around the table, the girls poke fun at Monique's unique laugh. Miss Cracker even has some advice for the editors, and it seems like it worked. <laughs> this laugh is unacceptable. That should be the laugh to the commercial break on RuPaul's Drag Race. <laughs> 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 Did you catch that? That they actually used it? I didn't catch that. That's so yeah. funny. When they went to commercial after that act, <laughs> they actually used it in the commercial. That. Yeah, That's so great. Uh, next, RuPaul enters the workroom to announce this week's mini challenge. Ladies, for today's mini challenge, we're going to play the new game that's sweeping the nation. Sitting on a secret. <laughs> Here's how you play. Blindfolded, you take turns identifying mystery items simply by sitting on them. <laughs> Whoever guesses the most objects wins. Asia O'Hara was named the winner of the mini challenge before RuPaul announced this week's maxi challenge. So for this week's maxi challenge, you need to create your own DragCon panel. Now, working in groups of three, you need to prepare a panel discussion, a demo, and be prepared to answer questions in front of a live audience. Now, one group will focus on body, one on face, and another on wigs. Now, in the spirit of DragCon, I'll let y'all pick your own groups and panel topics. How is that the spirit of DragCon? We'll get yeah, that. was a question. The, the spirit of DragCon also, when did RuPaul start saying y'all? She said it a few times. Oh, has she? I haven't noticed that. The girls are broken up into three teams. Team Face was Aquaria, Asia O'Hara, and Monique Hart. Team Body was Monet Exchange, Cameron Michaels, and Eureka. And Team Wig, did you feel that? Wig, was made up of Blair St. Clair, The Vixen, and Miss Cracker. Joe, any thoughts on the mini challenge or maxi challenge? And do not mention my terrible jokes. Uh, I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to disagree with you because you already tipped your hat here. Your hand. Tipped your hand. Sorry. Is I love this mini challenge. It might be one of my favorite mini challenge of the season. Really? It it was fun. It was funny. It was visual. 
I wanted to see if they could guess it. I was interesting. At certain points, I was actually aroused. Mm, yeah, same. Yeah. So, Aquaria on anything. Aquaria sitting down on stuff was arousing to me. Okay. And, uh... Notice how they only showed her sitting on, like, the erect things. They never showed her on the fax machine, or they never showed her on the fish. But it was like... Go on. Who was the one that thought it was bacon? Oh, it was Blair. <laughs> so, um, I love this mini challenge. I thought it was super, super fun. thought it was funny. I, th- I, th- I thought it was a great mini challenge. Um... And I also like mini challenges where it's very clear, even though they can finagle it because they don't see the other girls, I don't think. But, um, but you know, you name a certain amount. Not like It's not like a subjective thing where ju- Rue judges who was best. It was like, who who named the most this? Oh, know? yeah, yeah. So I like the mini challenge. What did you think of the mini challenge before we go to the maxi challenge? I mean, I, I will say I do like when they do have these the mini challenges where it's it's like a there's a, there's a score or a point system. So it, I didn't feel like it was just arbitrary that that Asia O'Hara won the challenge. I will give you that. Um, I love that Asia guessed that it was a fax machine. Like, yeah, how, did any? I wonder. I bet you half of that cast had never seen a fax machine before. But wouldn't you think a printer first? I would have said printer. I would have said. Um, yeah, I, I, maybe a steamer or something. I don't. I don't. Maybe I don't know what else that a would be. Steamer. But, uh, yeah, no, I don't even know her. Um, no, not a steamer. Yeah, a printer. But just like very, very strange. Like, I, again, I would love to know how many of those queens have ever actually faxed something. Yeah, that was really strange. She actually said fax machine. Um, and it, but you didn't like this mini challenge. Why? Um, I don't. Oh, uh, yeah, I didn't say I didn't like it. I no, I said I didn't like. I didn't like the. The, that they're pushing this song so much, the sitting on the secret, that's mm-hmm. that's to me. It's just I don't know. It seems kind of forced. That was it was fine. I I would be pissed if they made me sit in fish and cake and marshmallows and I was wearing nice shorts. But um, yeah, it was fine. It was funny. Again, I, I when I watch these show when I watch the show and knowing it's on primetime, I just I think of like these families who are just scrolling through watching, you know. Why in your world do you think that there's all these, like, nice Christian families who sit around, like, and they gather around and watch RuPaul's Drag Race? Now, I know no, I know watch- families watch RuPaul's Drag Race. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying if you're a family that gathers around and watch RuPaul's Drag Race, it's not going to be like, you're like, what is this filth? No, like, I think it's like, it. I, I just know families that, like, are sitting around, like, and they're just flipping through the channels, and they mm-hmm. may, they, they may, like... Tyrus, Tyra, I almost said Tyra Sanchez's. They may like America's Next Top Model because that's normal. I just think of people who just like happen on these things, or just like I think about like the baked guy at four in the morning who stumbles upon Trixie and Katya's show and is like, "What is this?" That's just funny to me because to me it's so normal. And you always look at this and it's like, imagine, imagine being straight and just like interpreting this out of context. What what are you looking at? Now on the maxi challenge, let me talk about that. I like the idea so far. I'm going to pretend like we haven't watched it yet. I like the idea of the Maxi Challenge so far, putting together panels. It seems interesting. But then we, they had the girls. Now, here's the part we, we called it right here. It was like RuPaul says, in the spirit of DragCon, you're going to form your own group and think about what you're going to talk about. Well, I guess at DragCon, let me, let me say this. What I know about DragCon, clearly the DragCon people put together the panel ideas. Okay, so it might be um, like this was when I actually went to last year, not because I wanted to, I was forced to, but it was like drag and social justice and it had rando people and then it had Sasha Velour, right? Like no drag queens, but then Sasha Velour was on it. And I think it was like art and social justice or something. 
And I feel like then they just find who goes on these panels. This is for like the second tier people or who they don't know what to do with. Then you have your um your top tier or your headline drag queens. And they pretty much just give them the floor. So often they always do a live fashion photo review, which I've actually been to, and it's very fun. Okay? That's fun. So I would f- like that. They do fashion photo review live, and Raven and uh, and Ju- Jujubees joined them when I saw it, uh, well, the couple of times that I've seen it, and Raven and, and uh, Raja do it. And then Trixie and Katya did a you know one la- a panel last year, and then they'll have a lot of times different casts. So it might be the cast of season seven, you know. The, they they it they it's very obvious what they do. Anyway, the point is, but I don't think the girls the drag queens don't uh, come together and choose their teams for the dragon panel. Dragon does it, so that that part didn't make any sense. But I like the idea of the challenge they have to put together a panel for Dragon because it's a skill they are going to have. I'm looking forward to this episode. I wonder what's going to happen next. What did you think of the idea of the maxi challenge, Evan? Um, I so as someone who knows what Dragon is, I thought it was very clever. I was texting my boyfriend during it, and he was like, "I feel like this isn't going to be great for TV because no, like people don't know what that is." And then I was like, "Well, of course, that's why they're doing it because in the spirit of Dragon, it's in the spirit of promoting RuPaul and his his empire." Yeah. So it's I mean it's a brilliant idea. I was a little worried about how it would kind of come across on as for television, um, but no, I thought it was a good. I thought it was a good concept because it was like I said, it's going to kind of force the queens to do some create like some teamwork and some preparation. But I think a lot of those panels is not improv, but it's kind of on the spot, and it's um, when you get a good insight. It's, it was a good chance for them to kind of just like be themselves outside of like the confessionals I thought perhaps well unless it's one of those like headlining um marquee uh, uh panels they all they, almost all of them have a moderator I've often thought they should ask me to be a moderator because they have this guy from uh uh Larry Flick has been a moderator in New York he moderated one in New York and this uh Lorraine Love from Wait, um, this is who I think it is Larry Flicker or Lorraine Love. Lorraine Love from this After Buzz TV, she moderates a certain panel every year, too. And they have these different... I need to find out how to become a moderator. But You'd be look, so good at that. Don't you think I'd be good at it? Going like, hey, Ginger Minch, what do you think of this, you fat pig? <laughs> Stop. I wouldn't say that. <laughs> anyway, um... <laughs> you are so terrible. <laughs> Sorry. So anyway, they always have moderators, and, the, and the, excuse me, I will say the moderators generally did a good job of moving the, the the panel along. But no, you know what's so funny is really in the spirit of DragCon, if I'm being a shady lady, the Please. way they handle the logistics of this DragCon, maybe it'll improve this year. But the previous three or four years that I've been has been horrible. They don't know how anyone. Everyone is just constantly in. in there's no. For, there's no actual line. People are just crowded in the hallway. The panels all run long, and then that pushes back another panel. So let's say you have a ten o'clock panel, and it's Raja and Raven, and they go till eleven fifteen, and they got to. But the, there was supposed to be a panel that starts at eleven, so they got to clear the hall out, and then by the time they get them in, that's at twelve, and then that pushes everything back, and then no one knows who's going where, and then they don't have enough tickets, and then the panels go long, and it's a mess. This drag con and that stuff, they need to bring me in there, and I would whip it into shape. You know how I am, Evan. I'm a little, I'm a little uh, a terrorist when it comes to this show. Yeah, I'm my thought, I'm a little bit of a nightmare too with these things. I was just thinking, like, they should do something where 
kind of like you know at Disney when you like buy a fast pass they instead of have because Mike what I've heard from about Dragon is that you, people spend most of their time just like waiting in line to meet yes. these queens yes you should just be able there should be a ticket that you buy they're offering for, that this year for a time like, they're like time slots was like this is I have a meet and greet with Trixie Mattel between two and two forty five that's when my group is going. If you don't have a ticket, you're not going to meet her. So, you're, but then you're not waiting in line, just like like an idiot, you know. At a premium, they're offering those kinds of things, but for particular queens. Here's the deal, though: if you weren't waiting in line, you would be done with this drag con in oh, I'm really? say, like two or three hours. Well, but you know what? I will say it's very big this year. They they moved halls and everything. Anyway, they're in the South Hall, I've heard. Yeah, is that where it is now? I don't um, see enough adverts for it. Oh, okay. So they moved it to the bigger hall. But the point is, here's what I'm saying. I like the idea of the challenge so far, making them put on a Drycon panel. Because there are some that put on better Drycon panels than others. What do you think of the idea of the challenge, Evan? I think it's a great idea. I think it's it's a great idea for shameless self-promotion. And let's see what happens. So, in the workroom, RuPaul paid some table visits to check in on the girls' progress. During Ru's table visit with Team Huig, Ru asked a question that would pay off later. Who's going to moderate the panel? We're really going to take turns, like, teaching the class. You know, I think DragCon is really just an excuse for queens to hang out. So we're going to put that at the forefront. Oh, they're going to have no moderator. Interesting. Mm. Before she leaves the workroom, RuPaul announced this week's guest judges. But then she dropped one more twist. Oh, right. And uh, one more thing. DragCon is your chance to make the fans fall in love with you, which is super important. Because tomorrow, the audience will be rating each panel and each queen. What are your thoughts on that, Joe? Uh, you know, okay, first let's talk about the wig thing. You could, I, you know what's so funny is when I first watched the episode, I didn't pick up that they would be such a mess. But then on a second viewing of the episode, oh, it's, it's so the obvious. Walls. The writing's on the walls, yeah. The writing is on the wall. They're like, I don't know. We're just going to be... F-. But you know what? It's tricky with this show because, like, for instance, let's go back one act when it was like, well, no one wanted to be in our group, so I just got... I'm, I mean Eureka right here. <laughs> no one wanted to be in my group, so I just grabbed Monet and Cameron, and uh, we just made a group, you know? And so you're like, oh, because no one wants to Yikes. be with them. And then everyone's yeah. like, oh, this is gonna be re- Cameron doesn't talk. Does Eureka doesn't shut the fuck up. But then they couldn't think of an insult for Monet. And they're like, you have no talent. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so anyway, so that, that, but that, so that group sort of seemed in trouble. So I think you, it would, it was hard to pick up that telegraph. But I don't know. Actually, looking about it a second time, it seemed pretty like, they're like, I don't know. We're going to wing it and be friends. Well, she's like, oh, y'all don't have a group. You know, I'm going to help y'all poor kids. Let me do it. And you're like, oh, great. It's like that one person who thinks they're doing everyone a favor, but they're really not. Yeah. But And then in, in terms of the of the twist, you know, as you and I know, because we, we host a show called The Rumor Mill. There was a rumor floating around. It was actually after we recorded The Rumor Mill. But during the week, there was a rumor floating around on the Internet that... Because in the preview for that week, Rue said it cut off where it said Rue said some very special guest, you know, and then it cut off, right? Mm-hmm. And there was a rumor that it was going to be the five eliminated queens that they had held them, uh, they had sequestered them, and that they were going to be the judges for the panels. T- it turns out they brought in a real audience who, um, who, it's weird because this never leaked. So yeah. obviously they weren't drag race fans, but yet they had these very specific questions. 
Yeah, I mean, I mean, they probably were just given them by. They the were given the questions, election. completely, one hundred percent given the questions. Like, here, ask this question. And so, anyway, the point is, uh, is that how questions work? <laughs> I think I think on RuPaul's Drag Race, it is. Like, here, dummy, read here, this. Here, we this. Yeah, we gave you a box lunch. Now read this. Yeah. <laughs> so, my issue, my question is, or my not my issue. But the thing that bothered me, because I, like you said, we were, I was kind of anticipating and hoping that we were going to see some of the queens return, that, you know, Vanjie was finally going to appear if you say her name three times in a row. But they kind of made a big deal out of out of the audience getting to vote for their favorite. And much like the, the jury voting in All-Stars 3, you never really, you never saw the voting, you never saw them discussing it. It was just kind of like, it was just never really mentioned at all. And then mm-hmm. towards the end, Rue was just like, oh yeah, and Eureka, you won the blah, blah, blah. Like, I don't know, it, maybe it was a real thing, but it, it just kind of seemed like a big bomb that they dropped that was never really but don't picked you up think, again. Let, let's assume, I'm going to push back a little bit what you just said. Let's assume that Eureka, it, you don't know anything about drag race or drag or anything. You just get, you just, you know, they just do some sort of, uh, cattle off, call on, yeah, on a, on a local street. Boulevard, yeah, yeah, and they drive your ass all the way to Simi Valley for this, right? And Simi they're gonna Valley. Pu- that's a good drag name. Sorry, go on. <laughs> it is kind of a good drag name, actually. But that's, they filmed it in Simi Valley this year. They used to film in Hollywood, and they moved because all the fans were crazy and stalking the place. So, um, uh, they they move out to Simi Valley. So they find either Simi Valley locals or whatever, and they don't know anything about this drag race, right? I think if you're watching the show, Eureka is going to be the most relatable. Yes. Like, you're like, she's someone that you can get right away. I think there's something very relatable and you get Eureka very, very quickly. That's just Eureka, my take. I agree. I, Eureka is like, she's, she's, what you, she's what you expect, not what you expect drag queen to be, but she's what I would, you know, if I took my family to a drag show, I think they would find her the most memorable because she's just big, she's boisterous, she's... Not feminine, but not masculine. She's self-deprecating, and I think if someone like if if Blair had done well, maybe she would have probably won. Because I think, like we said, people who don't really know drag tend to gravitate towards people drag queens that are more fishy because that's just what they imagine drag should be. Mm-hmm. But I think if it's not going to be fishy, it's going to be just that big attention commanding character, and that's what Eureka is. So no surprise there. Or they were low-key fans of the show and or they just knew that she was a returning contestant no i think there was something about eureka's presence which very seemed it seemed very like i know you think this weird this is weird so let me explain this for you does yeah. that make sense and i think she explained it in very um relatable terms that people could get and was funny and fun to look at and kept it moving i think she did a fantastic job i really do now by the way that, that doesn't take away from the fact that i think because monique was she the one who, who ran her panel she did, yes. We'll she did a that. fantastic. You know, she did a really fantastic job too. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, yeah, we'll get to those panels. Anyway, sorry, go ahead. No worries. Back in the workroom, Aquaria struggles with her words. Monique has to fabricate many of her looks because she's poor. <laughs> Blair thinks her team should focus on being likable. Monet's parents don't know she does drag. While Cameron revealed that she had a dramatic body transformation. How do you feel about your panel? I feel great about my panel girl, but, um, that's me, bitch. Wait, what? Oh, my God. Wait, by the way, it just occurred to me. I just, listening to this, it just occurred to me. Monet, is that Monet or Monique? Monique walks up and she says to her, how do you feel about your panel? 
And she says, I feel good about my panel. And then Cameron's holding a photo of herself. She goes, who's this? Why is Cameron just randomly holding an old photo of herself? Well, that's very much, that's what they asked them to do. That's what, I mean, that's like, it's, have you ever watched that? One of the best videos I've ever, ever watched is of Kelly Mantle talking about her time on Drag Race. And she says, you'll be in the, it'll, you'll be in the workroom, you'll have 20 minutes to get ready, and you'll be putting your face on it, and the producer will just say, hey, you know, ask so-and-so about when her mom died. And you're like, I don't really want to, but they have to. So I'm sure they, they have Yeah, it was like, they said, we're going to do the thing where we talk about this. It, it was, because yeah. this is, they've actually, last season, it was really bad at how obvious and forced oh it seemed. Oh my God, it was Rachel, yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, yeah. But this one has been much more natural this year. But this one is one where you could tell it felt very, very, very forced. Very, very forced. But anyway, we'll move on. Is that a conscious decision you made to look like that? Yeah. No, I accidentally uh, became super ripped and buff. It's crazy. I just started taking the stairs and I suddenly got yeah. abs. I've gotten one of those like shaky things and I, and I couldn't stop. <laughs> So I started going to the gym with a boyfriend. Did you do drag here at this point? Um, no. There's a running joke in that. These questions seem too perfect. I'm sorry to keep interrupting this. These questions seem too perfect. Like, why would you ask that question? Yeah, it's almost, I mean, again, perhaps, because at this point, it would, it, we know that, that Cameron is kind of known for not being great with having a camera presence. It's very possible that this has kind of been a, not set up, but they've maybe had some some preemptive dialogue they've had. Well, on Ms. Cracker's review with a Jew, didn't she say that she overheard Cracker yes. say that she was intentionally not going to talk shit on anybody? Yeah, she uh, was like, I'm not going to give them anything and I'm not going to, yeah, I'm not going to talk about anyone. I'm not, which is nice. And Cracker says, it's a great quality in real life. And that's great. I think she says, like, that's great before God, but before the cameras of RuPaul's Drag Race, it's not really going to bode well for you. Yeah. Anyways, let's carry on. I feel that if I'm not doing drag, I'm in a relationship. And he was one of the people that was like, you're never going to do drag again. And I threw half my drag in the dumpster when I dated him. And then we broke up, and I wanted to come back to drag. Why only half? <laughs> Isn't that weird, too? If you're like, I'm going to give up drag, <laughs> but only half of it. Wouldn't you do all or nothing? <laughs> it's funny what you pick up on, because I was more focusing on... If I'm not in a relationship, I'm getting dragged, not the other way around. So, but yeah. But why only half? (laughs) You're right, honey. I shouldn't do this. I'm going to get rid of. You know what it reminds me of? Of that scene in The Jerk. Have you ever seen The Jerk? No, I have not. I don't need you. I don't need any of this. I love you so much. I don't need any of it. Except these hip pads. (laughs) That's it. That's all I need. I just need you and these hip pads. And this bottle of garlic powder. Yeah. Up out. Alright, let's move on with Drama. this. We're still in this clip, by the way. I couldn't leave it. And now I have muscles and tattoos, and it's a whole other world from what that first picture is. So it's like girl. Yeah. In the beginning. By the way, that first picture, he looks you love like that. a white trash Benedict Cumberbatch. I really struggled finding a balance between my new body and the drag that I was used to. I find uh, trouble with a balance of my new body because I literally am so fat, I just tip over. I am constantly falling. It's really embarrassing. It was a challenge when I came back and started doing drag again because the girls were like, oh, now you look like a dude. You look like a boy. You look like a man, like a man undressed because your arms are so big. So it made me self-conscious. You know, I didn't show my arms. And that's challenging. I mean, in are we supposed to feel sorry for him because he went to the gym and got huge arms? And I was like, and I felt really self-conscious. I had these sick guns. 
bag. I can't wear spaghetti straps, can't wear halter tops. So, you know, I kind of threw that away when I came here. It doesn't matter what your body shape is. You should be able to... Doesn't matter what your body shape is from the guy who is built like a fucking goddamn shit brick house. Or brick shit house. One of those two. You know, put on a dress and put on a wig and go get your life and perform for people. I don't know why that clip pissed me off so much. Anyway, go ahead. I have two things to say about this. Yes, go First ahead. of all, mm-hmm. this was, I said this before, but this was very, her talking about not being able to wear certain things was very reminiscent of, of Kimora Black to me, talking about how she was so stressed because she couldn't wear her breasts and her hip pads and it made her feel vulnerable. Mm-hmm. So it's like, oh, you poor pretty thing. But you know what? I think the overlying, the overlying uh, message here was very good because her, her, her point was, you should be able to feel good about what you want to wear and you should be able to get your life on stage and make people happy. So I think I think it's hard feeling bad for her because she is hot and she has a great body. But I I do imagine. I mean, it was the second she walked in the workroom, Yoha was like, "That's a man, Mori." Like, what if she didn't feel like she was a man? You know, it's it's. I I, I get where she's trying to come from, but again, it's difficult to really empathize with because so few of us look that good. But the problem, Evan, this is where I'm going to push back on you. The problem, though. It felt very... Don't joke about that. And what I mean is, I said this this when it aired, and I said this now. Sasha Velour is telling... Sasha Velour, a thin woman... And I'm not saying that you can't have your own eating issue. That's what Sasha's point is. I had an eating disorder, Valentina eating disorder. You can be thin, obviously have an eating disorder. But how are you telling another person who suffers from an eating disorder, but on the other end of the spectrum, don't joke about that? You know? Like, Like... you're telling like like clearly Eureka has a difficult relationship with food. And so does Sasha and Valentina, but it doesn't make Eureka's any less valid. Anyway, thank you. On the main stage, each team presented on their dragcon panels. Each panel consisted of a panel discussion on a drag topic, followed by a demonstration on a member of the pit crew. Team Body performed well with Eureka shining through as the breakout star. Team Makeup performed admirably but Team Wig seemed to struggle throughout the panel. We are Wigs Anonymous today, and our hope and goal is to maybe turn your wig woes into wig wows. <laughs> She's corny, you can say it. She's corny. I'm from Indiana, we love corn. We are here to make your wig life better. <laughs> now, who the fuck are you? My name is Blair St. Clair, and I'm a wigaholic. Okay. My name is Ms. Cracker, and I am... A wigaholic. I am the vixen, and I'm a wigaholic. You wouldn't know by looking at you. Oh. I'm gonna get you She's later, gone. bitch. She's thirsty. She needs a little extra. But this is her moment. Super, super awkward. Super awkward. Evan, what were your thoughts on Team Body? Yes, with Eureka. That was Eureka. That was um, Cameron, and that was. Um, Monet, and that was the one everyone's like, oh my god, no one wants to get with them, no one wants to be on that team, and yet it right. seemed like they seemed to do really, really, really well. What were your thoughts on that performance? Yeah, I, I mean, they definitely were the winners, for sure. They seemed to do really well together. Mm-hmm. I think it was good having someone like Eureka, who mm-hmm. pardon me, uh, Eureka definitely, They Monet talked about how Eureka was actually really good to work with in the situation, and she wasn't too overbearing today. Um, I, I really liked, I mean, it was funny that they had Bryce, the pit crew guy, to show them, excuse me, how padding works. I thought that was a very clever, because I've actually never said that. I actually learned something from that mm-hmm. um, as a viewer. But I thought their chemistry was good. And like I said, Eureka was that, like, that accessible, relatable, just, like, 
thing that was just so what did she call herself she was like out of dry i look like a cup of pudding yeah i died i died wait how come you die when I, and then i say things like that and you get everyone gets uncomfortable well, because I just think it's funny. It's a very fun. There's, it's just, it's just fun. Like I, I, I would. I mean, I would never say, "Hey, yo, you look like a cup of smuckas." Like I would never say that. But again, her saying it, it's when you when you make fun of yourself. I'm not making fun of. You, I'm not making fun of her being big. I just think the way that she says it was very funny. And I thought her chemistry, the way she bounced off with um, Monet, was great. And I even we even saw some personality from Cameron. I think they were just they were three very different kinds of queens in terms of their their look and their the kind of drag that they do and so i think it made for a very well balanced panel and I, I just thought it worked great all right um i did i agree i think they did a really really good job uh eureka was funny uh they used cameron very well you know i think it was a criticism from the judges but i actually think it was good the way they used cameron and mm-hmm. monet kind of used their own charisma to make cameron uh relatable and work and fit in so I thought it was. I thought that they did a good job. All right, next up we had team makeup, and that was with Aquaria, Asia, and who am I missing? Monique. Monique Hart. Thank you. Oh. What was your What was your take on this one? I honestly, as much as as great as Eureka was, I would have given the the challenge win to Monique just based on this alone. Mm-hmm. I think she should. The second she walked out, she like has that thing about her where she's like kind of busted sometimes there's always just like one little thing about her visual that's like kind of like the wig was kind of funny but she's just she's she's the best when she is unscripted and she's just being herself i thought her lines were so funny i thought she was the perfect mo- she was the example of why you have to have a moderator i don't think she was overbearing um i love when she her use of stunning everything's just stunning whenever she doesn't say stunning oh she's stunning bitch looks stunning. like it's just it's it it works for me um, and I think that she was just, I think she was great. The only problem that I had with this, this panel was, and I thought it was going to work to their benefit when I could see what they were trying to do with Aquaria and Asia kind of going like bouncing back and forth. Like Asia would talk about putting on her eyelash and then Aquaria would go, well, she's doing that. And then it was probably good editing on this too, but it kind of got jumbled. Whereas I think they were trying to be cognizant of not just wasting time watching someone put wig, like eyelash glue on. But it, it it appeared to be kind of distracting. I don't know. Maybe. Okay. So I'm going to jump in. So um, I think you're right. I, th- I think I see what they were trying to do. I think it was like a, a an A for effort kind of thing, you know. But it's one of these things where I feel like what they were doing, what they, what they should have done is, and maybe they didn't have the confidence or they didn't think about it. What they should have done is have... Well, let's say, for instance, while Asia was was putting the blow dryer on her eye, um, Aquaria sort of talks as she's doing it about what Asia's doing. So, in other words, instead yes. of having the person who was doing it talk, you have the other person talk about what that person's doing. You have a demonstrator and a demonstrator. Yeah, that probably would have been smarter. Yeah. And then we had Team Wig, and they seemed to struggle. We heard the awkwardness. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, yeah, Team Wig definitely struggled, obviously, and it was... Uh, you could tell that they, you could tell that uh, Vixen and Cracker, like Cracker talks about in her little, in her review with the Jew that that they have they're really good friends and they have great chemistry and so I think that they almost were too comfortable with each other and didn't really feel the need to prepare as much. Perhaps that's not the right way of saying that, but um, they definitely suffer from not having a moderator, which would have helped a lot. And I think 
it was just kind of corny from the begin with, and poor Blair just kind of got eaten alive, and it really did kind of, much kind of like when you and I do the show, it kind of just seems like you're just like pouncing on someone and being really mean to them, even though they don't realize that they're doing it. When you don't know the dynamic of the group, it can really seem like you're just being so mean to this like sweet, beautiful little twink. I don't think you're mean to me. No, no, I'm saying like how people think... (laughs) You almost got me there, bitch. You almost got me there. Uh, Team Link is horrible. What it is, and it seems to be a a common theme with Vixen's uh, teams, is they don't rehearse or practice. Or they don't think it out. Well, they teach it. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, go on, talk. There's a siren. Go on. Um, all right, over on Patreon last week, Evan and I discussed the latest rumors, speculation, and tea with RuPaul's Drag Race, along with breaking news in the extended world of drag. Also, I had a long conversation with AfterBuzz TV's Jay Ellis, and I hosted another edition of RuPaul Radio. Uh, this week, Taylor joins us for Rulaska Thoughts, while Taylor and I continue to discuss the latest developments in the world of drag on the rumor mill. To learn more or to sign up at the $1 or $2 levels, please go to patreon.com slash drag race recap. That's Patreon. Patreon.com slash drag race recap. Now, guess what? It's time for what? the Lux. Woo! Well, well, well. If it isn't my cyber boyfriend of me, Evan Ayers. Evan! Hey! Uh, you want to come over later and put a night for a nightcap? A nightcap? Oh, oh, honey, I've been capping my night for years, babe. Don't worry. <laughs> well, this week, the, the looks <laughs> for the looks, the category is Hats Incredible. Taylor, uh, what does that even stand for? What is that? What is that? Is that a reference? To something that I don't get? Are they are they cross promoting the new Incredibles movie? No, that's incredible. Oh shit, that's good. <laughs> I just got that. <laughs> I wish you could see my face when I realized that. Thank God I'm moderately pretty at bad lighting. <sighs> All right, Evan. <laughs> um, right now there are there are so many fans of the show who hit me up that you know, I I not constantly, but I frequently get letters from people who are like, Joe, anytime you need a co-host, uh, let me know. And then right now there are people who are banging on the steering wheel of their car, screaming. Why? Because I tell a bad joke, or because I didn't pick up on the hats incredible. When I see it and read it out loud, I get it. What were some of your favorite looks this week, Evan? Oh, okay, so uh, we, again, not enough can be said about how amazing Asia O'Hara, I mean, yeah, Asia O'Hara looked this week. It was, like, the kind of thing that, like, I I almost want to see it in person, but it just, like, it, it looked so good on TV, but it, you could tell that it literally, like, knocked the socks off of even, like, the judges. I don't know how the fuck, how the fuck did she get that there? How did she put that, like, how did that exist? And she had, like... The things to blow with it, it was so beautiful, like absolutely like the best look of the week for sure. Um, I thought that was absolutely stunning. And again, Aquarius was also very, very good. I loved, um, I think it was Ross or maybe it was uh, Michelle's joke about Klaus, it was like a Klaus Klaus Manomi like reference. Um, I love a good gender fuck 
drag. I think she just looked so great. And another good look, let me think. I'll even give, I thought Eureka's, again, looked phenomenal. One of my, you know I love the puns of this season, or I love a good pun. And the best pun of the night for me, or the best joke was that Eureka looked like Carmen Sandiego if she was easier to find. I thought that was very funny. What did you well, think? Me, what were the ones you liked? I never pay attention to the looks. Let me let me ask you this question. I know people. I know. Look, inside tea for anyone who listens on a regular basis. I am such a good actor. I bet you think that when you're listening and you listen to me talk to Taylor, that I care just as much about the looks as he does. Inside tip. You hate him. I don't. Literally, I do other things during the looks. I'm like, oh well, now this is why I can go to the bathroom. You know. Um. Anyway. Yeah. Let me tell you this. My question to you is, were there any looks that you could think of that you did not like? I didn't like the Vixens. I'm going to say it. I said it. I, I put it out there. I, I thought she looked like uh, she looked like tires that you took from a, a playground and she threw it on. I didn't think it looked good. And then RuPaul even talked about it. She's like, there's always just some bit of it that looks unpolished. And I don't need to be, I don't need you to be polished. I just need there to be something that makes a little bit of sense. And I did not love it. Not saying I like the Vixen, but I did not think it was a great look. And I think I'm only also saying that because I'm comparing it to looks like like Asia, like, you know, even Monique, who, like, talked about having nothing and having no money and literally was wearing, like, wrapping paper, still mm-hmm. looked polished and beautiful. And there was just something a little off. Maybe her, maybe it was the Vixen's hair that was a little funky looking that just didn't work right. And you couldn't really see her face. Um, that was the only one that I really didn't super care for. Uh, yeah, I think pretty much for the most part, everyone looked pretty strong across the board. Even Blair looked really good. Uh, everyone, oh, everyone looked Blair. really, really, really good. Uh, of course, we oh, both loved Aquarius' look. So good. So good. Who was... Oh, even Cracker. Cracker has surprised me this season with like how mm-hmm. kind of diverse her, her her looks are. And her her comment on this, uh, this, isn't a, this isn't my hair, I don't wear hats. I, I Again, I love a good reference to any Drag Race alum. So that was fun. Yeah, I thought it was a good week for looks, and I was—I thought this was way more gag-worthy than the week where we had 33 looks. This is—I was way more excited for some of these. I don't know if I necessarily catch the quote you're talking about. What what is that a reference to? Not not everyone listening is, is that big of a fan oh. where they know that quote. Well, so Alaska Thunderfuck has a song where I don't wear this is my hair. I don't wear wigs. Oh, so, I see what you're saying. So she's she's saying I don't wear hats. This or I don't. Yeah, this is my hair. Oh, okay. All right. So that is that it for the looks, Evan? Have you said everything you want to say? Um, let me check, let me check, let me check. You know, yeah, I think I've got everything that I want. Again, the, the big two we talked about are were Asia and Aquaria. They definitely win the top shoot of the week. Okay, sounds good. That's the looks. Hats off to you. Hats off, folks. I was mad hatter for some of those. Don't joke about that. Back on the main stage, Eureka, Cameron, and Monet from Team Body were named top three, while Team Whig members The Vixen, Ms. Cracker, and Blair St. Clair were placed in the bottom three. During the judges' critique, Blair made a startling and tearful admission. I've come from some like really dark moments in my life, and I want to lighten them up and become more positive. I urge to find like daintiness because I feel dirty at times.
Um, my first sexual experience, I was um, raped at a college party. And from that, I've looked to find uh, pretty things. I mean, I need to get over it, but um, I've tried to turn positive the, the best I can. Okay, I mean, I'm going to kind of manage this conversation here because it's a difficult conversation. It's, it's, there's a lot of triggers here with this conversation. What was your take when you saw this for the first time? What, what was everything that was going through your head? Okay, so full b- bit of backstory. So you and I watched this before it w- we watched the, the leak or whatever. So I actually watched this in my office okay. or in my like at work when I was done with stuff. And when she started talking... I was expecting the conversation to lead towards her discussing her DUI, which mm-hmm. is what it's been. So I was actually really shocked by this. I, I really did not ever, I mean, no one sees this coming, but I was really taken aback by it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually was like kind of moved. I was actually moved to tears by it because, again, like I know people who have, have been through these kind of experiences. I know people who, you know, it just, and it's it's very much a relatable thing to to this time, to in this. It's very topical and very, you know, an important thing that's being discussed now. And um, it, a lot of things about Blair and the way that she presents herself as a drag queen makes sense because of this. And I I thought it was very sad that it had to be addressed in the situation, but I think it was really good for her to be able to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought it was very, very um, sincere. And um, I, I very, it was very much like when, when Dusty had her own, I was very much taken aback by it. And I'm, much more drawn to her than I was before. Mm-hmm. You know, the thing with this uh, conversation, and because I have things to say, so I want to address what she said first. So what she said is very moving, took a lot of bravery to admit that on national television. I'm sure it was very difficult for her. It's a very difficult... Uh, that's probably one of the most difficult things you can go through, you know, uh, is to is to be violated uh, physically in any kind of way. And so to admit that on national television must have been very brave for her. And also, we don't know who knows this information. Do we know if she told her parents? Yeah. We don't know that. And also, not only is it difficult to admit that it happened, but also to admit, this is why I am the way I am. Because it's almost just like saying, this defines me, because this is what... That doesn't define her, but it's saying, this has dictated my the way I present myself as a drag queen. That's very difficult, I'm sure. Yeah. The one thing I have a little bit of a problem with, and this is something that is the show has a history with it, mm. is there's an a, um, you can tell that this is something that was very exciting to the producers of RuPaul's Drag Race, and I oh, feel Ru that perks the fuck up, yeah. Um, so that I think that I'm sure I, I'm not sure I don't know this. I I suspect that they already knew this information. And I and so they, because I, 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 again, no one knows. But in season seven, it's it's famously RuPaul uh, was trying to get Pearl to admit to something. My suspicion is that it was something in this zone, you know, mm-hmm. and that something that happened to Pearl as a child that Pearl didn't want to talk about, and. Uh, and just Pearl wasn't going to give them what they wanted, you know? And I feel that 
Blair did give him what they wanted. And what... And something I criticize the show about a lot is it sort of felt like, well, now that we got what we wanted, we're done with you. Does that make sense? So oh, yeah. now that we got you to make this tearful admission on television, we got the one thing that we... I mean, there's many things about Blair, but there was the one thing we wanted to get out of you before you left this show, and you gave it to us, and thank you, now you can sashay away. We're done. And there's there's a weird sickness to that. I don't know. And I know... On the main show, people who listen to this show, but uh, I'm going to get emails about this because you guys don't like it when I criticize the producers of RuPaul's Drag Race at all, okay? But I it, the show has a history of doing this, and it makes me – I don't say I hate it. It makes me uncomfortable when they do it. It makes me feel awkward when they do that but because you're watching this, and it almost feels like you shouldn't be watching this. You know, because remember, if you think about the moment, okay, if you think about the moment, think about when it happens, think about when it happens on the judges panel, think about all that. She made this stunning admission. They could have very easily not shown us that moment. They could have very easily not shown us at all. And they could have, it was an easy edit. It came, in fact, if you look at the edit, there's already an edit how they got in. It doesn't make any sense why she announces that. If you listen before that, because there was a conversation that obviously led to that, and that's what led to that admission. So they didn't need to show us that, but they did. And, and to show us all the lurid details. Now, you might say, well, this is the show. It's interesting television. Of course we would show this, you know. But then I want to turn the tables, you know, and say, well, then why didn't they show during the Snatch Game when Gigi Hadid was on and RuPaul had a fucking goddamn tantrum and stormed off the stage and was gone for 45 minutes, yelling at the producers until they got interns to get, to feed the girls, the Gigi and who was the other girl? Uh, Bella Hadid, yeah. No, it was Gigi Hadid and some other girl. It was Bella, whatever her name is. Yeah. Um, and to feed them lines. That's compelling television. That happened on the air. Why didn't they show that? And that's my... I'm becoming of RuPaul. Yes. That's my problem that I have sometimes with the show is, look, if you're going to say, look, that's what happened and we're going to show it, I respect that. But then it seems that RuPaul... Why didn't RuPaul... Now, this may not have happened on camera, but why didn't they address that? Uh, what happened with Matthew? There's rumors. I'm not going to spread it because I don't know it to be true, but what, there are rumors about what happened with Matthew and Ru. That happened supposedly on set. Why didn't they address that on the air? So, if I may, yes, as as a as of probably the biggest as the biggest drag face fan that I know. I don't know. Emily also, Gordon said that she was the biggest fan. Well, who's oh, was that? The girl, whatever. She's famous. She doesn't count. Um, she, as someone who is obsessed with this show, but also is very perceptive of the way reality television works, I think I am more okay with these moments like that Blair has because if they continuously show these moments like as much as I'm interested in RuPaul popping off on Gigi Hadid or, you know, being livid with Matthew Anderson, the show is already so much about RuPaul. And I'm okay with giving, the, like, if, if they continuously showed all these these moments, it's like, well, it's almost, it turns into Tyra Banks, like, fainting in front of her contestants. Or it, it's not a, the show shouldn't be about Ru, even though it absolutely is. Excuse me, even though it absolutely is. 
Are you okay? I, Do you need an Alka-Seltzer or anything? I just took one. Yeah, I'm sorry. It's bad. Um, ugh, I have really terrible acid reflex. Those chicken tenders, man. Too many, too many ketchups. Um, I think that it's uncomfortable to watch, but I think the contestants go into this knowing what their story is, and I think that Blair chose to say this, and it knowing that I think Blair knew she was going home. I think she knew that she was in the bottom. And I think that she knew that was her time. And so not to say that everyone has to have like their, their big story to drop right before they go home, but it worked for Roxy Andrews when she talks about her mother leaving her at a bus stop and mm-hmm. she got to stay. Mm-hmm. And so I think in some cases it does create a moment. And in other cases, it's, this is what I was, this is, you know, this is my time here. And let me at least not make it worth it, but let me, I, I get that argument. I get what you're saying because Blair elected to, to tell that story. She didn't have to. Pearl didn't. Yeah. You know, going back to my old yeah. argument, Pearl didn't tell it. Yeah. And uh, uh, Blair did elect to tell that story. But I guess it's just you can just get the sense in the edit that the show is over the moon that this is happening. But like, there's a there's a huge sense that the that the producers are. Uh, uh, very excited about this. And that. And I'm not. I don't hate it. It's just moments like these that make me very uncomfortable on the show. And don't, don't get me wrong. I'm. It's compelling. It's compelling television. I don't deny that. And that's what makes RuPaul's Drag Race one of the best shows on television. How compelling it is. It just. I don't know. I don't know. And I. And I think because Blair's so young, the fact that she felt she needed to share that story on national television speaks to a larger systemic problem in not that it should be private but what i'm saying is i don't know it's a very weird moment it's very emotional i teared up as well because as we all know yeah i'm a sucker for a twink crying so i was a i was a sobbing mess you know because she was upset I'm so, question was there a was there a because i didn't pay attention was there a commercial or something afterwards like was there some sort of like hotline number because you remember when peppermint came out as trans on nine and then immediately afterwards, there was like a there was kind of a PSA that VH1 aired about you know to support the trans community. There was something along the lines of it was almost like the Trevor Project or something where it made it very clear that like if the, if this resonated with you, like you're not alone. I wonder if there was something that was posted or that was a commercial. I didn't catch it. I didn't pay attention. I don't know if, there, if it did. But yeah. uh, all right, let's move on. Anyway. After the judges' deliberations, the girls were called back to the main stage, and RuPaul pitted Blair St. Clair and the Vixen against each other in a lip-sync battle for their lives. The song? I'm I'm Coming Out by Diana Ross. After the lip sync, RuPaul told the vixen, Shantae, you stay, while Blair St. Clair was asked to sashay away. Joe, any final thoughts on the episode? You know what's so funny? We have such a bummer discussion right now that uh, you, it might get lost that I actually really, really, really like this episode. I thought it was a very compelling episode. I thought it was good from start to finish. Sometimes these 90-minute episodes uh, can drag on. 
But overall, I come on, re- pun. I, overall, Ooh. I really, really liked the episode. A couple of things I forgot to mention. I loved RuPaul bringing back that. Uh, did I mention? I don't think I mentioned this. Did I? That I loved bringing back the Pharrell hat from season eight. Oh, the Pharrell hat. Yeah, yeah. it was great. Um, also, during the table visits, Ru's lighting was really weird. Like, not good. I wonder what was going on that day uh, on the um, on the set. And then uh, I think. Everything else I covered. Everything else I had to say about this episode. What did you? Any? Do you have any final thoughts? Anything you need to mention, Evan Ayers? Um. Yeah. So I, as a, again, a big fan of the show. I like. I just thought this was a really, really, really solid episode. I was worried that the drag con panel thing maybe wouldn't make good TV, but I was actually proven wrong. Um. And I, the other things I didn't get to talk about were I love the dumb puns or lines. Um. The vixens Afromerican killed me. Thought that was very funny. And then Ross's tag, the joke about like Monet exchange being a tag on a, a piece of garment that you want to, you know, return or not, was kind of funny to me because that's kind of how I feel about Monet, and I'm totally back on her bandwagon. But no, I agree. This was a really, really good episode. It was very smart, and I think it was sad to see Blair go because I really like her, and um, she's kind of like our local queen of this season. So. It was a little sad, but I thought that it was a justified elimination, albeit kind of depressing and kind of heavy, but but it was a good story for her, and I am really, really excited for Snatch Game next week. Yeah, it sounds like it's going to be a good time. It's a good time, Evan Ayers. I can't wait for Snatch. I can't wait to see what everyone's going to do. Indeed. Well, that concludes this week's episode of RuPaul's Drag Race Recap. Be sure to join us this week and every week as we discuss, dissect, and deconstruct each brand new episode of RuPaul's Drag Race Season 10. So, for Joe Batanz and myself... Sorry. Stay away until next week. Want to share your thoughts about Drag Race? Email us at dragracerecap at gmail.com. If you want to help the show, leave us a review on iTunes. The more positive reviews we get, the higher we move up in the rankings, and that helps the show find a bigger audience. If you want to help the show even more, support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash dragracerecap. For as little as $1 a month, you gain access to exclusive bonus content not available on the main podcast feed. For up-to-the-minute news about the show, follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash dragracerecap and follow us on Twitter at dragracerecap. To find all of our old episodes, visit us at our website at dragracerecap.com. Taylor has his own podcast. It's called Pod Is My Copilot, and you can find it at podismycopilot.com or wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow Taylor on Instagram and Twitter at PIMC Taylor. Want to hear me talk about Drag Race even more? Well, then listen to me on One on One with Larry Flick every Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific, exclusively on Entertainment Weekly Radio Channel 105 on Sirius XM Radio. You can also find me on my other podcast, Catching Up with Mike and Joe, available at catchinguppodcast.com and wherever you get your podcasts. Finally, follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Joe Batance, that's J-O-E, B-E-T-A-N-C-E.